and welcome to Combat Thoughts. I'm Robbie. I'm Lee. And I'm Alex. We're going to take a deeper look at culture and philosophy behind martial arts. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of Combat Thoughts. This week we are discussing black belts and the relationship that the BJJ community as a whole has to them. Uh, We're discussing the fact that we conflate uh, the black belt rank with um, possibly being a good person, with being a good teacher um, and being, well, uh, someone to look up to outside of the sport. Now, we'll preface this and say that we do talk about black belts in generalizing statements a lot. Almost every black belt I've ever met has been a wonderful person, and we are talking about the very few who don't fit this mold. We obviously get onto topics relating to the recent uh, Me Too-esque movement within BJJ and uh, discussions on that front. So um, it's a bit of a different episode, and I hope you enjoy. So today's topic is... Why are black belts dicks? Or rather, <laughs> um, it's more okay. So it's about the idea that I mean, it's central. It's around the idea that people get black belts and then they get a lot of respect outside of jujitsu, and people kind of hold them up to be things that they definitely are not. Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty topical yeah. at the moment, so. Yeah, I think there's, um, there's a creation of like a, like for want of a better word, it's like a god complex. You're mm. the king of your gym. You're the most respected. You're the one that when new people come in or people that are already there come in, they want to befriend you because you're the one who's in charge of their promotions to different belts. And it kind of creates, it's similar to like footballers when you see like a 17 year old footballer earning a hundred thousand pound a week. And then he smashes his Lamborghini into a wall. And it's like, these people don't get told no often. And when they mm. want something, they tend to get it and they tend to get things given to them or thrown at them. That often when things don't go their way, they don't know how to react because they're not well-adjusted people because they've never been told no. Or they've not, if a jiu-jitsu person's been like, not been told to fuck off, they, they, they react badly to it. And I think, yeah. I, for me, that must be where it comes from. I think it's, um, it's you know, another thing to, to, real, to, to mention is likelihood is people who are black belts, and I'm not saying, like, we're not saying every black belt is like this. Let's be fucking clear. <laughs> but we're talking about those few individuals who, when they have black belts, um, they take advantage of that situation. Well, and well, to, yeah, to be fair, ahead. I don't even think that's really so much what we're talking about. I mean, at the end of the day, people in any position of power can of be power. dicks. It, yeah. It's more of a question of why do we, why are they able to do this? Like, mm. one, why do we see black belts as being proficient in? other areas of life and the other one is um like you know what i find really strange is that if you were to say okay here is a uh someone's got a doctorate in their field um they are like a world-class heart surgeon or something like that and here is a black belt in jiu-jitsu 
which one seems more impressive like on the face of it i mean i'm not talking about like world champion adcc i'm just they have a black belt or something mm. yeah it's the heart surgeon fucking heart surgeon right <laughs> except <laughs> i think the trouble is the environment that we're in because yeah, we go course. to the it's gym a very closed environment as well and yeah, and the place that we all meet is is the environment, not where the heart surgeon or the CEO of the company is there. Perhaps the CEO of a company is a better idea because if you meet him in the company, he's hot shit. Mm-hmm. Mm. Meet him in a jujitsu dojo, or whatever we want to call it. He is. He might be good. He might be bad. He's it's irrelevant. Which yeah. is one of the cool things about jujitsu is that you can go in there and really, what's important is work ethic, experience, stuff like that. I mean, that's fantastic. But it also creates a weird environment where we're all there looking up to this black belt, uh, who within that environment is really impressive. But if I see him in the street, I'm probably still going to give more respect to my instruct- instructor than I am to. I don't know if I I don't know what most of the people I work with do for a living. One of them might be the CEO of an incredibly impressive company, and I just have fuck all idea. And so the black belt gets the, more respect than anyone else. But that's interesting. That's the person. There's a clear definition in a jiu-jitsu gym of like who your role model should be. So when you start, you tend to make friends as a, like a fresh white belt. You tend to win one of the blue belts over. And then he starts to like give you a bit of advice and whatever. And then when you get to blue, you probably have a few purple and brown belts who will have roles with you and help you out and things like that. There's a clear hierarchy of where your role models are and where like your peers are and where you should look for advice. That is only given on like an athletic endeavor. So like you've done jujitsu for longer, you've trained harder, you've won some competitions. A heart surgeon's a role model because they've gone through the training and they've done things like this. Although when you look at like role models, a role model has to have the right characteristics to be. That they're not together in jiu-jitsu. So if you look at your black belts as a role model, there's a good chance they're not going to hold the same characteristics you'd want in a role model because they may just only live for jiu-jitsu. So I thought this is a really weird, I think the um, entry level to becoming a coach is in a way, way too low. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's essentially the entry level is, it's not even, well, let's call it having a black belt. In theory, it might not even, even be that if I move to a little village, having a purple belt, yeah. or probably even a blue belt, depending on like the environment might be enough. But the bell, that's the bar to entry is getting the black belt. But Jiu-Jitsu is like the only thing that I partake in where we kind of go, um, like at, at, at university, we never went, oh, you, actually, no, maybe we did at university, but if you wouldn't go, oh, heart surgeon, he's good at, uh, you know, teaching medicine. I would not assume that. No, I was about to say, I, like I, academic institutions, it's actually a similar type of thing where it's just your status and your amount of time that you've put in that makes you a teacher because so many of professors and so many of like doctorates at universities just can't fucking teach. Yeah, But there's the financial incentive for that because to teach at university, you get paid and lecturers, academics notoriously don't get paid a hell of a lot. So these people are fighting for funding. They're not getting paid a lot. And somebody goes, we'll give you X amount a year if you do 10 lectures a year. They couldn't give a first shit about your lecture, especially when you're in first-year economics. My first-year economics lecturer did not give a shit about us. Yeah. 
Yeah, and isn't that the same as jiu-jitsu? And it's yeah. notable of who the best coaches are because the best coaches are people who do it because they want to be great coaches. Um, mm-hmm. Someone like... Um, Someone like so. There's a guy, uh, Eamon Madden. Um, he is the coach of um, A on BJJ. He's also gets involved with like, um, like he coaches like um, you know just elite performers. He's like mm. a, a like like a psychological coach. I can't remember exactly mm. what he does, but the point is, his whole angle has been around teaching people and growing people, whereas. I think a lot of the incentive for starting jujitsu gyms might be that you can just do jujitsu and you can make a living out of it, which means that you can just compete afterwards. And those are two very different incentives to to becoming a coach in jujitsu and opening your own gym. But clearly one of them, you're trained for this task and one of them, you're really not. Well, you're talking about barriers before in terms of starting a gym there's a very limited authentication of who a person is as well. So I can't go and be a lecturer in economics at Oxford University because my shitty undergrad in economics isn't going to cut the mustard. They can check that. You have to do background checks. You have to do kind of DBS check, the criminal checks and things like that. To start a business for a BJJ gym, I don't actually have to confirm I'm a black belt. There's no confirmation no. system that I'm a black belt. I could start a gym tomorrow, put a black belt on and teach people some real McDojo shit. I could be like the worst coach in the world. I could be the baddest person in the world, but that's really difficult to find. And it, there's kind of, I think the question is, I'd pose to you guys is, do you think there's some sort of regulation of martial arts that could help where people are checked a bit more, background checks are done a bit more. I, I know kind of it's topical at the minute with all the things that have been coming out about kind of coaches doing nefarious things to kind of trainee, um, well, instructors exploiting people. Is there something we could do around making the background checks to somebody running a gym better? It's a good point. I mean, I, I would be very against uh, background checking the skill level of someone before they can open a gym because that seems like a not a good measure that seems yes. like the sort of thing that should be measured by the results and also the community mm. will call you out if you're at all involved in the jiu-jitsu community and there's a fake black belt you will hear about it so i don't think that's necessary um but do you see what you mean about like cbr checks or is that, is that yeah, the criminal i don't yeah the, the criminal things like if you've I don't know, if you've been done for fraud in the past, it's really hard to start a business. Like, Mm. Mm. things like checks like that, like, I don't know, if you've been involved in, like, violent crimes and things like that, like, there should be checks in the way you start a martial arts gym where you're kind of, especially in jiu-jitsu, it's hands-on instruction. If If you're stood there, I don't know, teaching golf, and you're saying swing your arms to the left and take a step to the right, you're kind of not hands-on. The hands-on stuff of jiu-jitsu is like you're putting a lot of trust in that person to kind of be with them and kind of go onto the mat with them. Like they, to me, there's probably more regulation in the sports martial arts world that could be done from a safety perspective. So I think there are some um, some forms of checks for different martial arts, not BJJ, but I think there are like for karate or taekwondo. I think they have these things because there are a lot more kids involved. 
Yep. So I'm not sure about karate and taekwondo, but I believe there is for judo. But that's because there's a national a governing Olympic body sport. for judo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, we've we've already spoken, right? We had a podcast with BJJ Safe, Safeguard, um, the girl from BJJ Safeguard. So uh, clearly, you know, and she was she was there before all of this stuff started coming out, um, which is really good on her. You know, she was already trying to do something about it before uh, all of this recent things surfaced. But it's hard. It would have to be someone like UK BJJA in the UK in particular that paved the way, you know, just saying like they did. I mean, it's good that they did it, but on Instagram where they were saying, oh, you know, we don't, um, we obviously condemn all these actions and so on is one thing, but that's not really you know that's not actionable yeah, so, <laughs> so you're always so, going to be reactive to, at that point you're always going yeah. to wait to react to something and i think you've kind of got to nip it before it like grows into something nefarious because you're only ever going to be firefighting then and it's great people like are speaking up but i'm kind of trying to think further about that like what can we do to help jiu-jitsu get better in the long term and make sure it doesn't happen again and things like that so I think you'd struggle to enforce something to say you are not permitted to open a gym. I think you'd struggle to put that in and like you could pass legislation in the UK Parliament about jujitsu yeah. uh, coaching. I think that would be a problem. But what I like the idea of is like, what if there were, and, and I've seen a lot of people talking about this recently, about having sort of like a, a I don't know what you'd call it, like um so safe MMA, for example, will approve, they'll say, hey, look, this is a safe MMA approved um, MMA show, right? Yeah. Um, something similar to that, because I saw people uh, talking about the different ways you could avoid things like this happening in the future, having more women involved in the management, um, yeah. you know, having just regular stuff like that. Um, yeah. And it'd be nice to see if you could say, look, they hit all these criteria, they get a four out of five, they get a five out of five on this yeah. rating. And it's like a self, you put your gym forward for this accreditation and you get the, the kind of, the same way the food industry has the one, two, three, four, five things. Like after you've been on a night out and you see this takeaway has got a one star and you're like, that's definitely what I want at two in the morning. Yeah. But like, yeah, like the, surely there are objective things that we can have as a, like a rating of a gym, right? In terms yeah. of, uh, do you have uh, a system in place for giving complaints against sexual harassment or something? Do you have like what is that system? How have you how are you managing that system? Do you have a person who has been trained in sexual harassment? Things like this, like you, surely they can be done. So I like the idea, except for the fact that uh, a lot of jujitsu gyms are tiny yeah. and money, are money, by- yeah. Money well, is not, problem, no, not, not just money. I mean, it's the fact that it's run by a coach and a couple of people, a couple yeah. of students who are willing to help them out. I know a lot of gyms like that, right? Mm. Um, it's fine for like super gyms to have loads mm. of staff uh, who, who can be there to adjust things. But I mean, I can't imagine like, I don't know, my, my MMA gym back home, Impact MMA is run by Joe, the coach, and Suzanne, who basically sorts out all the important things like time and money and things because the coach is fucking useless at that but anyway that's a story for another day um that's essentially how it works they're not about to employ a welfare officer 
to have a system for lodging complaints because i love the idea of having like an accreditation but also um it depends on which we buy into it because on one hand you have to buy into it otherwise it's irrelevant because if you're not going to have a look at that then why bother having the accreditation in the first place also if you buy into it too much it kills the small gyms where there's like starting out Mm. where there's like 20 people training because of course they don't have an accreditation Mm. but then there's tears to it isn't there like you could like what's the minimum and i'm not i'm just kind of spitballing here but like the minimum viable option to have like a safe gym for people to go to and it could be five things it could be your people are background checked your whatever and they kind of size is taken out of it money's taken out of it in terms of like you said they're paying for a welfare officer great for a mega monolithic gym but not possible elsewhere if we had like kind of a i don't know a bronze seal of approval and the bronze seal of approval is this is defined by these characteristics safe gym they can go to different levels different tiers and it's just it's a kudos thing for them but as a standard, when you're looking online, when you're looking for a gym to go to, you can go to the website and be like, right, I need a gym in X part of London. Here are the list of gyms that have got all the accreditations. This one's more expensive. It's got 10,000 employees or whatever. I'm going to go to the smaller one. It's still registered for this level. So you know what? I, I That could work. That's the sort of thing that could work. But I kind of think it comes back to the original point that all right, so if it was any other organization, I don't think they have to have this whole self-regulating process for making sure that stuff like this gets dealt with. Hopefully in other organizations, it'll get dealt with because if something bad happens, you go to the police or if it's just crappy teaching, you stop going there. It gets mm-hmm. back to the fact that we're just like, black belt must be important, must know yeah. its stuff. It's, and we just yeah. kind of look past it all. So, it, it, like, the more we're talking about all these criteria and these things they could do, the more I'm like, why do, why do, why do we and need I think, this? And I, and I took, and you're, you're so right. And I think for me, this whole uh, conversation, I've been thinking about what Guy Ramsey said. Uh, Lee, remember when we were interviewing him? Um, he was so clear on the fact that he he hates even people calling him coach. Yes, yeah. He doesn't want any kind of level of extra respect just because he's teaching someone. And if we, you know, if we have people, um, if we teach people, I mean, this is such a shift in in the mindset that you'd, it's like a complete, you know, shift in uh, paradigm shift in the sport, really, to be able to think this way. But if we had people, if we had black belts, you know, from the get-go, not projecting some kind of level of, you know, I am the the boss, you are my loyal servants, yeah, and actually be at the same level as everyone, um, which is what it seems like, you know, guy wants wants that in his gym, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's like the university thing, right? You join a club at university, and the freshers get like, you've got to drink this, you've got to do this, you've got to do yeah. that. And then the freshers come around the next year and they go, fucking yes, revenge. I'm going to do it on the new kids. And it's that same kind of system where your black belt growing up has been like, I'm this, I'm that, you'll call me this, you'll bow this. Then when you get there, you're like, yeah, I need that respect as well. They're like, oh, just call Mm. me Lee and give me a fist bump and learn jiu-jitsu. It might, it could. Oh, Lee, you're so cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm just a trendsetter, you know. 
See, I wonder if that's, for example, if 10th Planet has more of that because they seem to be just very open that way. And the fact that, for example, you don't even have a fucking belt, like they don't really give belts. Maybe it's just the problem with the fucking belt system. Does the belt make the difference? Does the... There's not yeah, of course, of course it does, of course it does, because that's the whole problem. Because um, people don't do the same thing when it's a really good purple belt coach or like one of the best coaches. Honestly, one of the best coaches I've ever had. Uh, I still maintain it was Dan, not just in um, striking but in grappling as well. Um, Dan from Exile, mm. he is one of the best coaches I've ever had, and I think he's technically a blue belt in jujitsu. Um, and I just don't think that I think maybe if he opened a gym and he was running the whole thing, he might be able to get that kind of or although I expect he'll sort of dismiss it. He will take a sort of Guy Ramsey approach nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't think him, despite him being such a high level coach, I don't think if he was going around like a jujitsu open, people are going to be like, oh, like in the same way that it's when it's a black belt, despite the fact that he's fantastic at what he does. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's definitely the belt. Yeah. It's like a weird celebrity thing that comes with it, isn't it? It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah I, think, and- I think there's a big difference between those coaches that are chill like that and don't enforce loads of rules. And then there's this brand of coach where they they get them they get people to call them professor. Yes. Mm. And I'm like, what is like what professor like coach is fine by my standards he is coaching you he is your coach that 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 is fine to me i understand guys approach but still but when you get the title professor i'm like you just like your 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 uh qualifications are that you can strangle people like (laughs) yeah i do you know what it's it's funny service like it's mutual i give you money you teach me what you know about jujitsu it's not it's not this weird kind of professor subservient relationship. It's I give you money and you teach me jujitsu. I should call you Dave. Yeah. And I think <laughs> a lot of coaches forget that. Um, I mean, I've experienced it myself um, <laughs> where, where, where you're not treated like a customer, which you fucking are. Mm-hmm. Um, let's not forget if you're a black belt and you're teaching someone, that person is paying you money you're meant to treat them like someone who's paying you money. Did you just say the customer's always right? Have you turned into a Karen? <laughs> customer's always right. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think there is more. To, obviously, we, we kind of, of course think there's more to um, it in jiu-jitsu um, yeah. in terms of the customer sort of yeah. coach relationship. Um, but yeah, it's a good point, and it seems to be forgotten by everyone who does jujitsu that um, you know at the end of the day they, you know, they're paying for a service as well as to be part of this group, and mm. it seems like there's a lot more focus put on the group side of things, which I think is, oh, and, and, and this part of the trouble. It, it, this it's one of the it, like you're part of this whole family, and, and that's part of the strengths of jujitsu, and a lot of these <laughs> problems arise from the things that are really cool and uh, really interesting about jujitsu. But I think people need to remember this kind of in the context of you're in the normal world. The normal problem, rules the apply. That, the problem with that is, is if I go to Tesco and get bad customer service, I go to Sainsbury's wherever. I'm part of my jiu-jitsu gym's group. Now, 
the keys to that group is the coach, the black belt, whoever. Now, if I don't do as he says, act the way he wants, conform to the rules that they set, he can, they can ostracize me from the group and be like, you're, you're out, you're not welcome to train here anymore. That is very dangerous because that's a weird... I, I'm, myself, I know Robbie and Alex used to do the same. When you get into jiu-jitsu, you get obsessive about jiu-jitsu and you do it a lot and you get really close to the people you train with quite quickly. And especially when that's all you do, when you're only training jiu-jitsu, you tend to find at least 50% of your friends are from the jiu-jitsu gym. That's how me and Robbie met. And if the coach holds the keys to that relationship in terms of with everybody else, because if the coach goes, this guy's a dick, don't speak to him, people tend to believe that and go, oh, yeah, like Lee is a dick. Like Lee's not coming <laughs> back anymore. And the coach holds the narrative then. You've suddenly lost mm. a group of friends. You've suddenly lost your, I don't know, support group of who you chat to, people you go to the pub with, whatever. That is very dangerous. And that's where I think the abuse happens with the, with the power trick because the coach then does that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and that's going to be a hard one to get around because, yeah, again, yeah. the whole family-friend aspect is one of the stronger things about jiu-jitsu. And I don't really see many other ways unless you actually have like a community-run gym which isn't very likely because at the end of the day, there is always someone who puts the backing in terms of money and experience behind a gym, and that is the black belt. That's why he's held at the head. It's uh, at the head of the organization. I think it's just the trouble that, um, I don't know. I mean, he is important in this environment, but it's kind of the fact that he gets away with stuff that's not really within this environment. Mm-hmm. where it can be a problem um and the thing is most coaches aren't most coaches don't try to get away with stuff outside of it but it is this weird idea that we give them the power to do that yeah i know we are i think the caveat for anybody listening just again we are talking about the few not the many and it kind of yeah. feels like we're going all black belts are bad guys we're not but in the, they are no, but that, that's, that's, that's they just are again bad. it's not but no but that's it again it's not about black belts being bad people black belts are just people yes. uh, the problem is that everyone around them gives them an enormous amount of power so those mm. ones that are going to do bad things just get away with stuff but right. and again i think we keep coming back to the bad things it's not just about that either it's the fact that you can be a terrible teacher you can be incompetent but you can just get away with it because you've got a black belt as well it's the fact that we just get the wool pulled over our eyes to every other aspect they're just great at strangling people and so therefore they get all that respect yeah yeah, I think as if you're a black belt, you just need to be extra careful and and check your ego often, um, because you are in that position of of uh, respect by uh, by belt essentially. So you need to be extra careful with how you behave. In my opinion, because you know, um, yeah, ego is a is a fun thing, and th- what we can't forget is in the grand scheme of things. You're just another guy. You might have a black belt, but you know there are in in other areas of of life, th- you might not be the best person. So <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's it's a it's a strange one. It's a strange one. I think you know, it's one of the big tech companies, and I don't want to get into tech companies, but I think they had written on the wall for a while, "Don't be a dick," and it's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's like. 
like you're saying check your ego like yeah check your ego but i was like jiu-jitsu loves this thing right where we're like leave your ego at the door like it's the most humbling experience up until you're really fucking good at jiu-jitsu and then you can do what you want and like that is where that's where it needs to be like check your ego don't be a dick help people out get into like the sport of what it is meant to be and i think a lot of people do but i think people's character is where the like i don't think becoming a black belt makes you a bad person or i don't think that shift happens i think that's a character trait that's in you anyway you've just Mm. become a black belt and exploited that situation so i think the problem isn't jujitsu the problem isn't the role it's bad people get into that level and then holding that level and exploiting their opportunity, which is what they've got there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the low barrier to entry. Yes. Yeah. That people have when they yeah. shouldn't be able to do these things. We hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, please consider subscribing to the podcast and checking us out on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram under the name Combat Thoughts. We'll see you next time.